plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Thank you for joining us. Today is the day when we look ahead to the ninth pick in the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft is 71 days away from right now. The Bengals have the ninth pick. Who will they pick? Our friend and guy who joins us multiple times during the season, a bunch of times, usually every week, Joe Goodberry. You can find him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Really good Twitter follow for draft insight, free agent insight, and much, much more. Joe I appreciate you joining us as always. You, you sent me a bunch of different players and we're going to dive into them. L- let's take a, a more general look here. When you look at this Bengals team, they have the ninth pick. It looks like there's going to be a bunch of high, really talented players available. Give us three or four needs that you think should definitely be on the Bengals radar heading into the draft. Right. And and some of these will probably change uh, depending on what happens in, in the first few weeks of free agency or maybe in that first month. But as it sits right now, uh, I think pass rusher is their top need. Not only just an edge guy, but maybe an interior rusher also. So guys that will replace the Marcus Hunt, Will Clark, and Wallace Gilberry trio of that nickel defensive tackle. I think athleticism on defense is always a need for them. Uh, you can look at a linebacker. I think on offense, wide receiver, and especially a speed wide receiver, is still a big need for them. Even if they bring back LaFell, it may push back receiver a little bit. But I think having a deep threat is still something they're lacking. And then you could argue that running back right now with Gio Bernard being hurt, with Rex Burkhead being kind of a question mark whether or not he's going to return, with Jeremy Hill coming off two poor seasons, and you really don't know what his future is, uh, running back is one of their top needs. And when, I think when anytime you're thinking of the quarterback and the Bengals and how do we get the most talent around him, that's when I, I elevate wide receiver and running back for this team uh, on a needs base. And let's let's dive into some specific players. And I think the guy right now on February 15th that would be the favorite for the Bengals to pick, he's being mocked to him, everyone thinks that it would fill a need, is the linebacker out of Alabama, Reuben Foster. When you turn on the tape, you watch Reuben Foster, what do you see? You know, I don't know who I see. It's kind of a mix of Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, uh, a guy who's really athletic, but at the same time, uh, super powerful, super strong, uh, tracks down the ball carriers as good as anybody. He really meets them at the hole before the running back even gets there. He has a really good sense for that. You can tell he's extremely smart, uh, very instinctive, uh, power tackler, power hitter. But uh, at the same time, I kind of wonder about the mix and the fit of Perfect and Ruben Foster. On the surface, it'd probably be fun to have two guys flying around and crushing people and really setting the tone for the defense. 
But at the same time, both are more of inside linebackers. And I think if you're projecting them uh, in the nickel defense, those are probably your two guys because they're two, your two best linebackers. But at the same time, one of them is going to have to cover in space and do a little bit more. And while Perfect has done it in the past, I think seeing them move him more into a middle linebacker role in nickel over the past years uh, leads me to believe they don't like him as much in that role. So as much as I really like Foster, and I would bet on Foster becoming a a – very good player out of this draft. I have high confidence that he's going to pan out because he is really, really good. I I struggle with the fit with the Bengals sometimes, and I know he's popular in a lot of mocks, but I just think having two inside linebackers playing in your nickel doesn't really fix the issues they have. Well, yes, he will add some athleticism and some speed to this defense. Uh, some of their issues in coverage will still remain, and whether or not that, that positive of what he's going to bring outweighs that negative uh, is up for debate, but I think everyone agrees that we need to get better in coverage, and the Bengals need to get better with their linebackers covering, and I'm not sure Foster does that. And one other thing about Foster is, is he's, again, he's really, really good. He's never been part of a turnover at Alabama. He's never forced a fumble. He's never recovered a fumble. He's never uh, caught an interception. Wow. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. In yeah. two years of starting, he's never been part of a, of a turnover. So if you want more playmaking on this defense, I'm not sure Foster is that guy. That's that's a really interesting nugget. Thank you for that one. That Man, who would have thought that at Alabama? They're fo- forcing a bunch of turnovers. What, one more question, because to me – the linebacker position, we're going to hype it up and say they need to get more speed and, and Foster makes a, a lot of sense at number nine. I'm not sure, and if you look at past drafts, outside of Keith Rivers in the Marvin Lewis era, it's not like they prioritize linebacker in round one. They haven't, and they've kind of even, in the second round with Ray Maluga, and you know that was a, a guy that a lot of people thought was a first-rounder that fell into the second. Uh, they really gone mid rounds and haven't had much success there either. A lot of their guys have just been undrafted or, or free agent pickups and uh, they've gotten lucky with Vontez perfect. Uh, but honestly, when you go back to just last year, drafting Nick Vigil in the third round, usually when a team drafts a guy and if it's in the third, fourth, fifth round, they usually had a grade higher uh, on them. So uh, let's say the Bengals had a second round grade on Nick Vigil. So you go into this draft, if they don't take a guy in the first round with the ninth pick, when they get into the second round, they may see a guy that's equal to Vigil, and they may pass on linebacker for a couple of rounds because they really like him, and they increase Vigil snaps down as the season wore on. And I think he is their, one of their nickel linebackers. So it's going to come, get into a situation where, yes, linebacker is a need, but you're going to start comparing these guys in the second, third, fourth round to Nick Vigil. And I think depending on how the Bengals feel, uh, we could see this position and this need put off a little bit. We're talking Bengals draft with Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Let's stick with the defense. Let's look at one pass rusher that I know a lot of people are high on from Stanford, Solomon Thomas. When you watch the film, when you watch the tape on him, what flashes to you? Solomon Thomas is really good, and he kind of got better as the season wore on, and it, it, it culminated in that last game versus North Carolina. If you've got one game to watch with him, that's the one, and he's completely dominant. Uh, the thing with Thomas is he's about 6'3", 275, played in a three-man front for Stanford, so a lot of times he was inside, lined up inside the offensive tackle. As we know, the Bengals play with a four-man front, so it's a bit of a projection for Thomas 
but he shows the athleticism, the burst, the power. Uh, he is very good against the run. And this is what I think Thomas is. I think he's a base defensive end and a 4-3. And let's say he, he's splitting time with Michael Johnson this first year at right end. And I think he's going to be fantastic against the run. And then you're going to kick him inside a nickel. And this is where Solomon Thomas is going to make his money. And this is what he did at Stanford. He played defensive tackle and nickel. And he dominated inside, and he completely disrupted plays. And his speed and, and, and explosiveness was too much for for guards to handle. And I think having him next to Geno Atkins and, and Carlos Dunlap would just create so much havoc in that front seven. And, and I love the fit with the Bengals. Uh, he's one of those guys, one of those prospects, where you're going to say, "Yeah, if the team uses him correctly, he's going to be really good." And that's sometimes scary for Bengals fans because the Bengals don't always do that with guys. But the way they use their defensive ends is exactly the way Thomas should be used. He's going to have to play base defensive end and then kick inside. And that is a starter. That's a guy that can play 700 snaps just because nickel is 60% of the game. And if he's one of your nickel defensive tackles, and I think that's a hole on the defense. I think they need a defensive end and that nickel defensive tackle. Solomon Thomas fills both of those holes. Now, he's a little bit stiff at times. You'll see him get pressure on the quarterback often and not be able to come down with the sack. And that's kind of frustrating because we've seen that a lot with Bengals defensive linemen. But he creates so many of these opportunities that I think it would help Atkins and Dunlap bring up their numbers too. Right now we don't have another guy that really creates pressure in the pocket. Uh, for Thomas's faults of not being able to, to really wrap up the quarterback when he's close to him, he makes that quarterback move from that spot often. And if you watch him, watch the North Carolina game, and you'll be a, a big fan. Now one concern also is a lot of people – well, not a lot of people. Some people have said – he may weigh in and measure a little bit shorter, and his arms may be a little bit shorter than expected. If he's 6'2 and has 31-inch arms, it may knock him down for the Bengals to the point where he doesn't fit their mold. And that's what I was going to ask you, because the, the Bengals are really, it seems like they're really particular on, on defensive ends and in height and, and weight and arm length. Before we, we move on, how important... Is that because that's going to be talked about a lot? I know that the Jim Osarskis and the Paul Daners are going to tweet about it and, and discuss it. And, and I think it's worth noting everyone talks about pass rusher. Well, the Bengals have a specific type of pass rusher that they like. And I wish they didn't, to be honest. If you go look <laughs> at the top pass, yeah, because if you look at the top pass rushers in the NFL, watch, look at the top 15 uh, list for sacks. There's maybe three of those guys that fit the Bengals' bill that have the length and the size that's mostly are agile, quick pass rushers in those, in that top category. Bengals don't have a guy like that. And I, I still really want one, even though Solomon Thomas, isn't that guy uh, as an edge, quick, pure pass rusher, he's still really good. And if they can get past the, their, their box of what they want, um, I think he's a perfect guy. There's a few guys in this draft that, that are kind of tweeners. Uh, maybe it's a Carl Lawson. Maybe it's a Takaris McKinley. Um, there's a few guys that might be in their second round, Charles Harris from Missouri, that are kind of edge speed guys that can stand up and move around, but they're 245 to 260 and then maybe 6'3". If they want to get quicker, faster, and more explosive in the front seven, I think one of the big areas they can do that is that edge rusher, and that's getting a smaller, quicker pass rusher. Talking Jeff with Joe Goodberry. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. One guy, Joe, that I think fits the mold, fits their, their measurements, and he's got the best name in the draft is Tarko Char- or Taco Charlton 
out of Michigan. What, uh, what does he present or what does he have to offer a team that's willing to draft him? And for the Bengals, it is. The first thing is the size and athleticism. At 6'6", 273, I think he's listed as. Uh, he definitely has the size and the length that the Bengals would like. To be honest with you, he looks exactly like Carlos Dunlap. He moves very similarly to him, but he has a spin move, which will make you think, man, he's got a little athleticism to him. He plays left and right end, uh, which is great for the Bengals because they could use that versatility, especially someone long like Dunlap on the right side would be great to have. As much as we want that speed, agile rusher, having two Dunlaps wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, We've really liked what Carlos Dunlap has brought, and he's maybe 10 to 15 pounds, if not more, bigger than Taco Charlton. I could see Charlton putting on that weight also and being better versus the run, getting stronger, because I think that's one of his issues right now. He has a bull rush, but a couple more pounds behind it would really help him. I think he plays with great length. He's got he's got a burst off the line. He's more agile than expected. Uh, but again, like, like Dunlap, he kind of moves in slow motion sometimes. Even though they're athletic, it, you know, they present problems and it presents inconsistencies with certain offensive tackles blocking them, whereas they're not as hard to block. I watched Carlson and I, I graded him against all the defense, like the top five or six defensive ends. He's the next best uh, under Solomon Thomas from to me. Uh, I think he's better than Derek Barnett. I think he's better than uh, McKinley. Maybe your next guy is Harris. Either way, I do like Charlton, and it, I could see him blowing up this combine. A lot of people really like him from an athleticism standpoint, especially when you factor in his height and weight. Uh, when you're going size adjustment uh, for athleticism, Charlton should be right up there. And if he does, I don't see a problem with him at pick nine, especially in a scenario where Thomas Solomon Thomas is already gone. I can see Ruben Foster being already gone, and it depends on how they feel at receiver. If they don't want to take one, the next best one might be a pass rusher in the mold of Taco Charlton. That's interesting, and we'll get to wide receiver in just a bit here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe, let's look at the running back position, and, and you mentioned it at the top that it's definitely a need for the Bengals. It might not be a need in round one, but there are two guys that, that are definitely at the top of, of the list when it comes to running backs, and one is Leonard Fournette, the other is Dalvin Cook. When you look at, let's start with Fournette, I think he's the bigger name. When you look at him, is he worthy? Do you think he could have an impact in year one? that we've seen from a Todd Gurley or an Ezekiel Elliott that would make it worth using a top 10 pick, the ninth pick, on a guy like him? I think he definitely could have that impact. Uh, he's as good as those guys. If not just maybe slightly below, they think he's going to blow up the combine too. As, as we're talking today and a lot of the combine invites are being released and so people are picking out their favorites. And when you watch Fournette, yeah, he's 6'1", 235, but there is some agility and some long speed with him. When he really breaks out into the open field, he is tough to break down. When running at that size with that speed, it, you see defenders just bounce off of him and bounce off his thighs, and he is explosive. And I think his hands are fine. He needs to do a little bit better in pass protection. The concern I have with Fournette, and it's it's the same concerns I had with Jeremy Hill, to be honest with you, is they run their offense. 65% of the time at LSU out of the I formation and a power formation with the quarterback under center. That's not the Bengals offense. As much as we would like to have a ground and pound rushing attack, the Bengals don't play out of that formation. So the few times you watch Fournette out of the shotgun, and I wish I wrote down the numbers because I saw this about a month ago. I think he loses about a 2.5 yards per carry uh, on his average uh, from the shotgun and brings him to a pedestrian 4.2, I believe it is. Um, so when you watch him, not having that lead fullback take that first hit for him or, or help him with his vision, 
I think he becomes a, a lesser of a player. And if the difference between Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley is those teams didn't have an established quarterback. So they, they didn't have an established offense to, to really build around. Um, they came in and said, fine, we'll be a power run team. The, the Cowboys did because they started with Dak Prescott and they knew they had to lean on the run game. With the, with the Rams, we know they, the issues they've had at quarterback. They said, okay, we'll make Todd Gurley our focal point. And the same with Jeremy Hill that year that he had a big rookie year. It was because the Bengals lost all their talent at, on the outside and they needed to go to a power run game and they committed to it and they leaned on Hill for a really good year. I think you would have to do the same with Fournette. Right now, he doesn't fit the Bengals' offense. He doesn't fit what they want to do. He doesn't fit the strengths of their offense, and that scares me. I really like him as a prospect. I don't like him for the Bengals at all. I I would agree. At least my initial instincts when I looked at Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook, especially in today's NFL, and it's being a little sizist almost, like, oh, that guy's bigger. He's probably a little slower. I watched Dalvin Cook. I think he brings speed. I think he can do anything the Bengals want him to do. When you watch him, would he be worth, is he talented enough to spend the ninth pick on him? That's a good question. I think this is a really good running back class. And when I watch Dalvin Cook and I isolate him and just try and uh, look at his skills, look at his value, I would say, yes, he's worth the ninth pick. I would say the same with Leonard Fournette, to be honest with you. But when we're talking about fit also, I think Dalvin Cook is a better fit for the Bengals. Yeah, they don't get a big back in this scenario. If they take Delvin Cook, he's in the size of Giovanni Bernard, 205 pounds or so. Uh, you may have to find a power guy later. You may just relegate Hill to goal line duties and short yardage. But what Delvin Cook brings is versatility. He runs a lot of the stuff that the Bengals run already at Florida State. Uh, they split him out wide and throw him deep bombs, and his ball skills are, are tremendous for a running back. His breakaway speed, is it looks like Jamal Charles at times. The way he gets around the corner and the linebackers can't get him, and then he just cuts it upfield in one nice, smooth motion. He's not a slasher like a Devonta Freeman. He's more of a Jamal Charles, a glider, a guy that just breaks down angles, and and when the safety has him, you think he's going to make a tackle, and the safety never even gets a hand on him. Uh, watch the Clemson game, and it starts off a little rocky, and then he rips off three, four runs and a couple screens that he takes 40 yards, and your jaw just drops because his athleticism and speed and vision uh, is tremendous. He's not a huge make-you-miss guy because he doesn't really need to. He outruns so many players uh, that you look at him and say, he changes the Bengals' offense. Uh, If they can get that run game that's explosive like that, because even if you look at uh, Bernard and Hill, and those guys were athletic. But I think their longest two runs was uh, 17 yards for Bernard, and I think uh, Rex Burke had a 19-yarder. They didn't break off any runs in their in their combined full season either. So uh, I think having a guy like Delvin Cook would change a, a, what they do a lot. I think it's okay to have two smaller backs in today's NFL. We just watched the Falcons do it. Devonta Freeman's 210, 215 maybe, and maybe at most. I, Tevin Coleman's listed at 210, but he's at 6'1", so you know he's a, he's a little thinner, and they have no problems running the ball. Uh, I think if you have two smaller guys, and if that's Burkhead and Delvin Cook, and you're giving them each 200 carries, I think that's a viable way to run your offense. And again, they fit the Bengals. They fit Dalton in the shotgun, Bengals going three wide, because that's where the Bengals are at their best. 
And that's where Dalton's at his best. And I think that's the most important part when you're fitting a player into this offense. I would take Cook at nine. I would understand it. I think he has some shoulder concerns. Uh, same thing with Fournette. He had an ankle injury this year, limited to 140 carries this year. Uh, uh, Cook's had some shoulder issues. Those have to be all checked out. If they're all checked out, based on talent, based on fit, I definitely think Cook is worth the number nine pick. And Joe, one thing I put out there on Twitter, heck, a month or two ago, was that that I would be okay with the Bengals spending a, a first-round pick on a running back if it could transform the offense. And the instant rebuttal I, I saw or, or I got on Twitter and really anywhere from Bengals fans was, well, the offensive line was so bad, you need a better offensive line if any running back is going to succeed. Now, I, I kind of know your take, but I, I want to revisit this. To me, the the running game last year was as, as much that the struggles were just as much about Jeremy Hill and his inconsistencies as it was the offensive line. Yeah, the last two years, it's been largely the same pieces besides the right tackle. And what's been the biggest difference is Jeremy Hill getting 250 touches. And outside of playing the Browns, he's averaged about 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, he lacks the vision. He lacks the patience. He lacks the explosive ability. He doesn't make guys miss. He doesn't break tackles. I don't really know what we expect out of out of the run game when the running back is that bad and performing even worse. You know, as as bad as as I list his abilities, he performed even worse that time. So because he had nagging injuries or for whatever reason, uh, there were a lot of issues. I think the pieces are intact if they want to retain Whitworth and Ziegler. I know that's a different discussion, but if they do. The offensive line is fine, and it's still in the top half of the league. And I think they can be a good run-blocking unit. You get a running back in there with some breakaway speed, a guy with some good vision, guy that can make somebody miss. I think Cook does that. I think Fournette does that. I do think there's some second- and third-round prospects where you can get similar production at a much uh, less of a cost. But to me, the thing that gets me excited about spending a number nine pick on a running back, and honestly, I don't know if I would because of the value, but if they did, that's a big investment, and that means Jeremy Hill is not going to see 250 touches again. If you wait until the third or fourth round for a running back, knowing the Bengals, how they play rookies, and how they, they, they give the pecking order, uh, I could see Hill still, still coming in and, and leading the team in carries. I think that number nine pick comes in, and he's your guy, and he's your starter, and he's the guy you lean on, whatever way they go, if it's Fournette or Cook. You're listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. You can subscribe iTunes, audioboom.com. We're talking Bengals every weekday during the offseason. We're do- uh, joined by Joe Goodberry right now. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. And, and here's the thing, and I, I prefer offense. I'll be honest, I prefer offense because I know what Andy is, and I think they can get an elite offensive player with the ninth pick. So let's transition now from running back to wide receiver, and a guy that's going to get a bunch of interest is Clemson's Mike Williams, Joe. When you watch Mike Williams, when you flip on the tape, what does he do well what does what, what concerns do you have when you watch him? First, what does he do well? He's a big receiver. So boy, how big? I think some some places have him listed at six three two twenty five, and if that's the case, that that's a little bit different. But then some places have him listed at six three two zero five, and when you watch him, he's kind of thin, so you can see that too. The combine is going to be big for him, really big, because this was this is what Mike Williams offers. He is a big body possession guy but that but can get deep because of his ball skills because of his size because of his strength he really outmuscles people on the line of scrimmage during press down the field when the ball's in the air 
Uh, he goes up and he gets it. If he's with Andy Dalton, Dalton's just going to have to throw it up. We know Dalton's in accuracy issues where the ball placement is kind of uh, random at times, especially down the field. If he's got a guy like Mike Williams to go up and get the ball and, and do different things like that, I, I like that pairing. I like that fit. Now, you may say, well, they really need a speed guy. And I would agree. And the Bengals traditionally like a guy to not be slow. The thing with Mike Williams is I can't tell how fast he is. There's some times where I'm watching him and I go, okay, he's going to run a four or five flat, which would be decent. And you would take that at 225 pounds. And then there's times I go, he may run a four, six. And he is a lot like Laquan Treadwell from last year. I don't think he's as, as slow as Treadwell is, but I think as a possession guy that doesn't get a lot of separation, those workouts are important. I need to know how athletic is he because he's going to get even less separation in the NFL. Is he big? Is he strong? Is he 225 pounds? Is he a full 6'3"? Because if he is, I can understand it, and maybe he's an Elshon Jeffrey. But even if he's Elshon Jeffrey, I think that creates some issues of consistency because they're going to run into some corners that are big and strong also, and they're going to be able to defend them a little bit better. You may even run into corners that are really agile and athletic with good ball skills, and it'll be even harder for, for Williams to box them out and, and catch rebounds. And that's basically what he does. Uh, I think he needs to get better as a route runner. And, and most of it is because he lacks agility and athleticism to be really quick in and out of his cuts. He's not going to be a big separator. But he is, he is going to be a red zone threat. He is going to get deep because of his ball skills and his size. And he does bring a little bit of toughness with how strong and physical he does play. So I like him. I don't know if I want him at number nine because of that speed and athleticism concern. Uh, if he goes to the combine and blows it up and he's way faster than expected, if you remember, uh, A.J. Green ran a 4.48. It's, he's not some blazer. But with his ball skills and his long speed, you really see why he can get deep. Some people believe Mike Williams can be very similar. If he comes out and runs a 4-4-5, 4-4-8, and you know he has the deep ball skills the way he does, I could see that pick because having two similar guys would really help out Andy Dalton. But to me, I don't think Mike Williams is the best receiver in this draft, and uh, we'll get to Corey Davis. But if they have the option between the two, I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, and honestly, I, I looked at both, and I thought it was interesting it's obvious that two things with Corey Davis and Mike Williams. One, Mike Williams clearly uses his body, doesn't get a ton of separation when I watched him, like you said. Two, he had the better quarterback. And I think that matters a lot when you're talking about college. It matters in the NFL. So so let's look at Corey Davis, and he played for Western Michigan. Most people probably didn't watch a snap of Western Michigan football. When you flip on the tape, you watch Corey Davis what does he do well? What stands out? Because a lot of people are talking about him. Yeah, and he was super productive. Uh, he broke records. He's like the NCAA all-time leading receiver in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Uh, he, yeah, he's 6'3", 215-ish, give or take a couple pounds. And he is fast, and he is agile, and he is explosive. And he, his cuts are clean and hard, and when his foot sticks in the ground, he moves. There is no wasted motion. There is no wasted effort. Uh, you watch him after the catch, and he is tearing guys up. He, he makes a miss, then he runs them over, and then he stiff arms them, and he spins around them. He is a monster after the catch. Uh, he is athletic. He, he's fast. He doesn't play above the corner as much as Mike Williams does. I think when you directly compare them, that'll be a knock on, on uh, Corey Davis. 
But Davis does it. You see the flashes. You see the ball skills. Uh, I think he's a tremendous route runner already. Coming from a small school, that's not always the case. Uh, he is a very good route runner, and I think he's, it's only aided by his quickness and agility. I think he's going to blow up the combine. I think he's going to test and be up there. I have him graded right now. Is he's not AJ Green and Julio, but he is right behind them. He would be a top ten pick in any draft. He's he's up there with Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr. as guys that are top ten picks in any draft class. And this guy should be an immediate impact and a lasting impact. And I believe he's twenty one or twenty two. A lot of these guys are really young as their options. Uh, and you talk about with AJ Green being twenty nine going in next year. It's okay to take a number one receiver in, in, in a Corey Davis because by the time you're extending Davis again in five years, he'll be 26, 27, and uh, A.J. Green will be 33, 34. It makes sense to take a receiver if they want to really build elite uh, talent around their quarterback and provide help for Green, provide help and insurance for Tyler Eifert. I really like Corey Davis. I think he is the total package. I think he's got great hands. I think he comes back to the ball and plays well versus zone. There's a couple plays. Watch him in the bowl game this year. I don't. It's either Nebraska. Yeah, I think it was Nebraska yep. or Wisconsin. It was Wisconsin. Teams. Wisconsin. But yes, Wisconsin. Okay. And there's a couple plays where you you watch him against. That's probably the best talent he faced this year. And they went 13 and one. That was the only loss. So yeah, for a small school, he elevated a lot of guys around him. Uh, and for a game, I think he had six catches, 70 something yards, and a touchdown. That's, one, that's a great game to watch against good competition, especially good competition for him. And I thought he played well. And there's some other – go through a lot of his games because you're going to you're gonna have to sift through some bad coverage and some bad opponents. But when you see him catch a pass on third and 28 and it's a drag route and he pulls away from everyone and just goes down the middle of the field and down the sideline and no one gets a hand on him, and you go, man, he's fast. They say he's going to run a four three seven, and the his three cone is going to be a, a six point seven, which these are elite numbers. He may be he may test in the ninety five percentile for receivers at that size with that production. I think he's the total package. He is the highest graded player I have in this draft. Wow, wow, the highest graded player you have in the draft, Joe. I appreciate the time. Just a couple more minutes here with you. And I watch both of these guys because I love wide receivers and I think the Bengals should be in the market for a wide receiver. These are the two best, or most people consider them the two top guys heading into the draft. And I'm just going to read off some notes. You tell me right or wrong, agree, disagree. Feel free to disagree. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I watched Mike Williams and and I thought he didn't get a bunch of separation. And I mentioned Deshaun Watson. They had a perfect rhythm of back shoulder throws. I'm not sure that that translates, especially right away in the NFL for Mike Williams. It seemed like most of the throws that went his way were back shoulder. And they were predetermined before the snap, I would say, where him and Watson saw a certain coverage and they would just throw it back to him and throw those back shoulder. And they knew he'd come down with most of them. I agree completely. I think the rhythm was, was fantastic, made Mike Williams look a little bit better, made Deshaun Watson look a little bit better. But the thing I would say for the Bengals fit on that, is Dalton throws those to Green right now. Those those YOLO balls where you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to get it to my best receiver, those are going to go to Green. Yeah. Uh, Mike Williams is going to have to be open and separate in order to get Dalton's trust. As we saw him with Tyler Boyd, but Dalton didn't really trust Boyd to get open, and Boyd's not a guy that gets a lot of separation either. And I think it, it was a transition period for, for that fit. I could see similar issues with Mike Williams where you're not just giving him YOLO balls because, he, because he's big and has uh, ball skills. Those usually go to A.J. Green. So that fit kind of worries me a bit. 
Yeah, and I watched Corey Davis, and naturally, when you're you're talking about Western Michigan, they don't play a lot of top tier college opponents. So I watched him against Michigan State. I watched watched him against Wisconsin, and I thought that he stood out against those teams. And and he, I I saw him beat a, a couple double teams downfield for touchdowns against uh, Michigan State, breaking tackles. It just seems like Corey Davis. That once NFL teams look at these, it's not like we're the only ones watching. He's going to rise and, and separate himself from Mike Williams. I think he can go as high as 49ers. I think the the Jets, I think the Bears could be interested if they lose Elshon Jeffrey. I think the Titans could take him. There's a good chance he goes top five, top six. Uh, you in like you said, you see him face doubles. You even see him play some triples against some of these bad teams, and he still beats them. There, he knows how to how to play against this coverage already. We see it with AJ Green. How you have to learn to almost get uh, open against these guys against that coverage, and Davis already does that. And I think he is fully ready to impact right now. And I don't see any reason why uh, he's not a top ten NFL receiver in in due time, just because of his athleticism, his ability, and everything he's shown on tape screams he's a good player and will be a good player. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Last question here. We talked about pretty much any prospect, at least as of now, February 15th, that the Bengals could draft with that ninth pick. Rank the the, the top three that you want to see happen. Maybe it, it doesn't happen, but the three guys in order that you want the Bengals to draft I haven't asked you this before. I know I'm putting you on the spot, so I'm going to talk for a second. No, I, I'm ready for this. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm ready for this. The, the number one guy, I, even though I have Corey Davis ranked as the number one guy in this draft, uh, and he grades out so highly, uh, I think the addition of Solomon Thomas for this defense would outrank it, and being at a position of pass rusher and how the Bengals use the, their, their defensive ends and the way Solomon Thomas needs to be used I think is a seamless fit. I probably would take him over anyone. Uh, at at this point at number nine, especially if he if he comes in at six three two seventy five and and his his size is good enough for me, uh, then I definitely like him. I think he should test well also. Uh, and then I'm taking Corey Davis next. I, I think his addition to the offense uh, surrounding Dalton with premium talent, and I don't think it's even a, a big split between Thomas and, and Davis. If they took either one, I'm I'm celebrating on draft day. Uh, and I think just having Davis would be a, a great addition for offense. And then the third guy, I'm going to go with Ruben Foster. Even though I'm not sure about the fit, I think when you have a great player, you figure it out, and, and you just take him and you, you say, we're going to be better because we have a good player in our front seven, and I'm highly confident he will be good. Um, again, Perfect's going into the last year of his deal. Maybe that changes some things when you got a guy like uh, Ruben Foster and playing as well as as he should. Uh, but for me, those are my top three, definitely. Uh, some things still to shake, shake out. If these guys bomb the combine, I really hold the combine in, in the testing numbers uh, close to, to my evaluation because uh, it, it's not used to separate guys. I think those three are definitely the best three at that position besides Miles Garrett, who should go number one at defensive end. But what it does is – it raises flags and concerns and allows you to go back to the tape. And if these three guys ace it, and I don't think Ruben Foster's working out because he's injured because he's from Alabama and they all are. But <laughs> uh, if, if those other guys do do their thing and do what they're supposed to do, then it secures them as a top 10 pick, and I feel really comfortable taking them. I think the last guy, I suppose, are gone. Before the running backs, i probably take Taco Charlton, and i probably take him over Mike Williams too because there, as you get into the wide receiver class, 
There's some second rounders that are really, really good. There's some third rounders that are really good. And we'll get to receiver, and I, I think we'll probably go through the top 10 or so guys and some options for second, third round. So we'll be able to discuss that in another podcast. But that's the only reason I knock back receiver just a little bit because I think Solomon Thomas is, is fits the bill and fits what they want and, and gives you a pass rusher. And I think Taco Charlton fits their mold, and I really like his upside. So those two guys would definitely be in my top four. I know you asked for three, but that's where I would go after that. Gotcha. He's Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Great stuff. Draft knowledge, not just Bengals, but definitely heavy Bengals-oriented. Joe I appreciate the time as always, and yeah, no doubt I'm going to go to you and and talk to you about the uh, other positions, other rounds as we get closer to the draft. I look forward to that. Thanks for having me, James. That's Joe Goodberry on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, writes for Bleacher Report, covers the NFL, the NFL draft. Really good Twitter follow. He's got over 10,000 Twitter followers for a reason. Check him out. Really good Bengals insight on free agency, the draft and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this extended version of Locked On Bengals covering the draft. If you need to know the guys that they're going to consider picking in uh, with, with that first pick, pick number nine in 71 days, well, we just went over them. We went over all of them, and, and it's got to be one of those guys. Maybe not, but as of now, 71 days before the draft, those are the favorites. Give me a wide receiver. Give me a running back. No, I, I hope Corey Davis falls. That, that's my favorite. That's the guy I want. I think he would be a game changer alongside A.J. Green and be an upgrade for Marvin Jones, be an upgrade from LaFell, be an upgrade from all those guys. And it would really set the Bengals up moving forward. Up next or up next tomorrow, we'll continue the Bengals conversation. We'll dive into free agency a bit more. And until then, I appreciate you listening as always. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. 